Warning. This podcast does not contain actual virgins. Discretion is advised. Schaefer. And I'm Leah Bross. This is Movie Virgins, a weekly discussion of our first times with movies. Each week, one of us is re-watching the film and the other is seeing it for the first time. And this week, we watched 2016's The Invitation. We watched it on the Netflix, and I had selected this movie because... I think it's an actually a very good a very good movie. A very good show. Very well put together. The first time I saw it was probably a couple of years ago. So it came out in 2016. I don't even think it had really a wide release. It showed up on Netflix pretty much right away and had been sitting in my queue for quite a long time. Yeah, I only remember seeing it's been it's been sitting in my queue since it came out too and I had yeah. never obviously not yeah. watched. And it. I think it's been on Netflix basically this entire time. So, um I really, I think, yeah, I saw it, I'd already seen Prometheus when I, when I watched this, so I, I know Logan Marshall Green, I like Logan Marshall Green, mm-hmm. um, I feel like he's maybe got a little bit of a Tom Hardy vibe. Oh, yeah. Do you, you feel that? No, 100%, and it's funny, too, because when I saw um, Spider-Man with my dad, okay. We- we were talking about it and he said something about him like he was telling my mom about it or something but he said Tom Hardy was in it and I was like no no he nope. wasn't he was like he was like yeah he was I was like no I know exactly who you're talking about and he does kind of look like him and you've seen him and saw other stuff but really I think you're just thinking that but it's not him yeah trust me he's got way nicer teeth <laughs> <laughs> well he's not British it's true um he's from the south I think he's from Charleston really? I believe uh. so so I knew that I liked him. I hadn't seen Tammy Blanchard in anything yet. I did see her in really? Tallulah. Yeah, I did see her in Tallulah with Ellen Page, and I loved her in that. But damn it if I don't love the shit out of her. I just you hadn't love her seen... so much. I, so I used to, I, I remember her mostly from Guiding Light back in the day. Mm. I mean, I think. I think she was a teenager when she was on Guiding Light. Damn. And that was when I first started watching. But I remember a made-for-TV movie where she played Judy Garland. She was great. I remember the made-for-TV movie that was a remake of Sybil. She was great. I remember the Lifetime movie. These are all just like... But there was a Lifetime movie that was based on... I know, right? Well, it was based on um, We Are the Mulvaney's, the book. Okay. Okay. Which I actually really liked because it's, you know, super depressing family drama. And... so yeah, no, I, I've I've always thought that she's great. She's a little bit much at times, but she does crazy really well. I loved her in this movie. No, I did too. And she was wearing the shit out of that white dress. Yeah, she looks good. She looks I mean, really fucking good in her early forties, I think now. Yeah. And fuck if she does. And I don't know if she's had work done. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if she. She's had a little, bit of, lips. a little bit of tweaking in her face. Yeah. But mm-hmm. honestly, like I said, I used to watch her on Guiding Light when she was a kid. She looks the same. I mean, yeah. older. But, like, if she has had work done, it was good. 
Yeah. <laughs> it no, that's what. Yeah. It who's her plastic? Who's, who's her doctor? Because yeah. Right. Um, but really, really, the reason that I love part of the reason why I love this movie so much, aside from the subject matter and everything, because I think it is a very nice movie, and I didn't realize till today, it's directed by Karen Kusama, who also directed Jennifer's Body. So I just wanted to point that out. Um, well, she also directed Destroyer, so hey. What is Destroyer? Destroyer, uh, was it just last year or two years ago? It was Nicole Kidman and Sebastian Stan. Oh, my God. Um, but no, it was, it's interesting. You should you should watch it. It's pretty good. It was one of those movies that left me disappointed because it could have been so much better. But there are moments in it. There are some really great moments. And I would say, like, hats off to her for creating those moments, even though I don't feel like the whole movie held together as well as it could have. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like there's some really great moments in Jennifer's body. And maybe we should make Kristen watch that now that I'm oh. thinking about it. <laughs> oh god. I'll 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 gonna try to remember that for later. But anyways, the real reason that I think that I love this movie, again, besides from the subject matter, and I think it's a good movie, is, and I can't say his name to save my life. Is it Michelle Huisman? Huisman? Michael? I, I mean, I would it's, say Huisman, but I don't know. It's Dario Naharis, the second non-Fabio styled Dario from GOT. <laughs> yeah. The real and Dario. The real Dario, who I initially saw, I think, in Nashville, the television series Nashville, and then I saw him in Wild as one of. What? Do you? No, I'm just. I 100% know what my next movie pick is going to be. Now that I know that you love him so much. What is it? It's going to be the Red Sea Diving Resort. Okay, because it's got Chris Evans, it's and got, now it's got this guy. And yeah, um, but Haunting on Hill House, I think, is yes, the thing and the that Haunting I associate House, yes. him most with. Because yeah. fuck if I didn't love that that show too. He he is. There's something about him. He can he can grow a hell of a beard, and I don't really usually like beards, but I like a beard on him. Do you know from from the get go? Just because you brought up beards, so from the get-go, like, we're 30 seconds in last night, I'm looking at at Logan Marshall Green, I'm looking at his overgrowth, Yeah. and all I could think was, how could Leah watch this movie? Because I know you have a problem with, like, mustache, with, yes, with beard mouth, with, like, mustache kind of moving over the lip, and honestly, I, I, I mean, I wanted to trim him up, once he got trimmed, I'm 100% in. Like, just come close to me. I wanted to jump through, trim them, then we can make out, and we're cool. But, like, it was really making me a little bit crazy, and I kind of wondered how you were even able to watch this. So, his beard did not bother me. There was a moment where we were watching him chew from kind of off to the side, and I could see the mustache a little bit, and and it bothered me. But beard mouth is a very specific look. It, it looks almost like the beard is pasted on. And maybe is mistrimmed around the upper lip. It just, it feels like you have a disembodied lips, set of lips attached to a weird beard. And it, it, it really so it's bothers not me. The, it's not the overgrowth that bothers me. It's not you. the overgrowth. I don't, that is, that is not a bother. But, and, and really beard mouth is only something that I've experienced, you know, with certain people that I know personally. I can't think <laughs> off the top of my head of anybody with weird beard mouth in movies and this he his scruff and stuff didn't bother me at all i actually think it's a good look on him mm-hmm. uh, no i, think I, I absolutely it. agree i just I wanted i just wanted a little bit of trim that was yeah. all i was asking and my boy dario naharis numero dos looked really good with the beard his hair is incredible i love his performance in this movie i mean 
he's so perfect with this like confidence throughout the movie. There's a moment where he's there. My favorite thing about this movie is David versus Will. That is my favorite thing about the movie. And I don't think we ever get to see the two of them duke it out. And that frustrates me because I, I felt like the entire movie was leading up to David and Will fighting and having this big having it out. And that never happens. Um, I know I didn't really get that. Yeah, um, like there, there's impression. always these, these, these moments. Not that of, there wasn't, there was definitely tension. I, I just, um, I don't know. I think I was like a hundred percent on the will train of something fucked up is going on here. And yeah. because I was so lost in the, this is fucked up feeling, I don't think I narrowed it down to, and it's more fucked up between them or anything like that. There but, are just so many moments, like after he shows them the video that it, it shows them all the video and they're talking about what they just saw, which was, I think, a great moment. But um, Will's reaction to the video is, why would you so show something like that at a dinner party, David? And he uses his name. It's very, and it's very kind of accusatory. And David is kind of playing this like, you know, it's, you know, guys, like, just be in the moment. And like, we're here together. And this is wonderful. The same shit that Eden is doing. But Eden seems a lot more crazy and unhinged than David does. Yeah. David seems like fully bought in. Um, there's also a moment where it's uh, Miguel and Tommy and uh, David and Will and Miguel are not. Yeah. No, when he tells on him. Yeah, he tells on him. And, uh, and then David goes, a lot of people think we're crazy. And then gives a kind of a knowing look to Pruitt. He goes, I doubt they're as happy as we are. And it's kind of like a. It almost felt like a fuck you, we're really happy and we're sexing all the time kind of a thing. Um, yeah. Oh, no, I, yeah, I got, yeah, I got that. Yeah, yeah. I um, thought that was really great. Walk me through, because I, I had, tell, I just want to know about your, your experience in general the first time you saw this, because I had, I had an experience. <laughs> So, so yeah, t- tell, tell me, uh, tell me that, tell me I, how you walked away from this movie. So the, when I walking away from it, so, so the first time I watched it and I felt it again this time, cause there's something sinister going on. And it's one of those movies where it's already, they're already in an uncomfortable situation where friends coming together, exes together. It's awkward. Obviously there's something off with, uh, Sadie, the crazy cult girl and Pruitt, uh, the crazy cult guy. And then David and Eden just seem like they're on some shit. And there's also like the locking of the door. So there's all these kind of hints getting dropped and you see, and, and you're inside kind of Will's head and you're seeing all of this and you're feeling what he's feeling. And like, every time somebody eats something, every time somebody drinks something, I'm like, don't drink the wine, don't eat the food. And then that moment, the dinner scene where they're showing all the food and you're like, just waiting for it to happen. And then it doesn't happen. And then you have this great moment where Will is like, shit, I was wrong. But first he's like, where's Troy? Where's Troy? Where's Troy? And you're just like, they build and build and build and build and build and build. And then when the shit hits the fan, it is intense. But then at the very end, and, and, and okay, you, and I don't think I was an, as emotional about it the first time I watched it as I was this time. Like I cried at the end this time. Oh, oh, with why, why Eden, did you cry? Eden and Will having that moment where she tells him, I miss him every day and they're talking about their son and then she t- he takes her outside. All of that happens. And then 
you get this amazing shot and you're hearing all these sounds, dogs barking, sirens going off, gunshots, lady screams, and you see the Red Lanterns and you are like, fuck. And that's what it leaves you with? Perfect. Perfect end. That's how that's how I felt. It's like mm-hmm. you build and you build and you build and you build and like climax and then like climax again. Yeah. Yeah. How do you um, feel? How do you feel about it? I felt dirty and gross. You felt dirty. I felt it was that it's that really awful, awkward kind of like, oh, I don't like it. I don't like it. Rewind. Turn it back on. Really? <laughs> that's how I felt. Like you're I hate it. Yeah, like, I hate every moment of this. I should watch it again. No, I shouldn't watch it again. What is wrong with me? I wish you guys could see Lindsay right now. She's holding her face. <laughs> I can't handle it. From, from the beginning. First of all, how dare you make me turn on a movie where within the first two minutes a dog-like creature is murdered. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I didn't like that either. I don't, it was, here's, first of all, I don't think you really needed to have it. Like, I don't that, think you needed it to have it. It didn't feel, either. was it supposed to be foreshadowing or something? Because it didn't feel that way to me. Was it supposed to be, you know, we're putting this animal out of his misery and later we're putting ourselves out of our misery? Like, I didn't, uh, you didn't. I don't know. Um, second of all, who in their right mind would kill an animal like that with a tire iron like he's already stuck under your wheel just back back over it i get putting him out of your misery but Mm -hmm. he was barely moving you probably could have just reached down and snapped his neck and instead i have this scene of you beating him to death and i can hear him like crying out no that was it was it was bad and i don't i don't feel like that was needed and that hurt my soul Mm. so i will put that out there now let's get to this party we're at a party where everybody is friends. And yeah, there are some crazy people there. And I think we all know from the get-go that they be batshit crazy. Yeah. But everybody, what made me really uncomfortable was the love and the friendship between the non-crazy people. Yeah. And knowing in the end where that went. I think that was what really haunted me was you should feel safe with your family. And they repeated it over and over again that, you know, I love all you guys. We, you know, we love you. We love you. We love you. You know, are you dealing with things? Okay. I'm so sorry. I haven't talked to you in forever. I really want to be there for you. We're family. We're family. We're family. And you do get that feel, I think. And and then in the end, um, family is killing family and family is leaving family behind because they have to, you to survive. Yeah. And it's, unsettling obviously it's going for unsettling I I get that but it made me feel very upset (laughs) I guess and I am I I think we talked about this last week that I I feed off of kind of sad dark energy agony milk agony milk the agony milk yes oh my god pizza pain Leah I sucked dry some agony milk the other day I am watching. I am watching on HBO. Uh, Mark Ruffalo. Okay. In, uh, it's based on the Wally Lamb book. Yeah, um, we had this conversation. Right. So it's super sad and depressing. And the last episode, it was so awful. <laughs> the last episode, uh, there's a moment. It's a memory he has of when his daughter dies of SIDS, and. He gets up in the morning to go check on the baby and you never see the baby. You just see him reacting to finding his dead daughter. And it's horrible. 
it, it's wonderful because, you know, it's Mark Ruffalo and he's amazing. It's horrible because of what it is. And it was so painful and kind of unsettling also. Mm-hmm. And then I watched the rest of it and then I rewound back to that point. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> I watched it over again because I'm a horrible person. So, so this movie left me feeling very upset and kind of dirty and unsettled. And, and yes, there's a part of me that really wants to go back and like watch it all over again now. Uh, It was good. I count that as a win. Yeah, it, it, it was good. There are definitely some things that I don't think needed to happen, like the coyote thing and some things that were really not explained at all that I wanted. Like what happened to Claire? Some kind of, Claire. So I'm okay with them not explaining what happened to Claire for the purpose of the movie. We can just pretend. But um, but I do want to know, and here's why I want to know. I think I am Claire. Yeah, <laughs> like, you are. The, the single friend who goes to the party and everything's cool and awesome until all of a sudden you're doing shit that, like, I'm just going to look at you and be like, nah, I'm guys. I'm really uncomfortable. I need to go. Yep. And I wouldn't have even said I'm uncomfortable. I just would have like I'm I'd rather be at home watching TV than watching all of you people lose your minds. Like this is dumb and I would have left. And um I'm still as much of an asshole as I am. I'm still a decent person, which means that uh Pruitt if he came over and like knocked on my window and said, "Hey, it down. I probably would have talked to him." And now I'm concerned that I could be dead because <laughs> she probably is. <laughs> but here's the truth, really. There's a pretty good chance that I never would have shown up at that party to begin with so yeah yeah Uh, you yeah i'll put that out poor troy shows up for just a split second just in time for shit to really go down fucking a oh yeah so you were talking about the uh the dinner scene Mm. and what a spread like some of that stuff looked amazing and i wasn't too worried about people getting poisoned at dinner i was thinking all along that it would be in wine because they were talking about wine and because I don't drink wine, I was kind of hoping it would be in wine. Because in my <laughs> then mind, you would I'm be like, safe. Exactly. I'm like, okay, we're I'm all right at least. But then they brought out the birthday cake, mm, and I and thought red to myself, velvet. You're fucked if it's in the cake. I thought to myself, oh my god, it might be in the cake. And I realized, had I been at that party, I would have a hundred percent been just like Will, thinking, you guys, this is fucked up. Like there is something. I probably wouldn't have freaked out like he did. I just would have, like Claire did, left. But I definitely, like, happy people weird me out anyway. I I don't quite get them. And especially if they were people who I knew them and I knew they weren't happy to begin with. And then there was this dramatic shift. And now we're talking about a cult. And no joke, when he was in his son's room and he saw What's-His-Face go out, David go out and light that lantern. Light the lantern, yeah. He looked a little suspicious i was immediately jumping to oh shit he's lighting a flare like he's telling all these other crazies to come kill us too or something <laughs> i would have marched out there and been like hey man what you doing what you, why why are you uh why are you lighting that is it like mood lighting we're not even out here why can i blow that out do you care do you mind can we get rid of that <laughs> it, but yeah when he brought out when they brought out the cake i would have been sitting at that table thinking shit i'm really worried that this food is poisoned i'm still gonna eat that cake because <laughs> it looked real good red looked, velvet like i have a real problem i have a real problem <laughs> but luckily the poisons in the wine i wouldn't have had it we're good to go even the port because that was definitely port it it looked, it looked like a tawny port i know i may have <laughs> it's yeah. 
I would have been so suspicious, though, you know. There's so much going on in this movie with the relationships. Like, I think David versus Will is my favorite thing. I love Will and Eden. When When he first walks in the door and she sees him and she just smiles and they go to each other and hug. And I feel like, though, her reactions to him, because you can tell she's off her rocker. Yeah. They were very unsettling. And what I really did enjoy was the fact that you could still see through his eyes how much he cares about this woman. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you, you, and I don't, the memories were helpful with that, but I don't yeah. feel like you needed the memories even to just see that this is somebody he will always love to an extent. I, I never got the impression, of course, that they were in love still. But, I mean, this is somebody who mm-hmm. he built a family with and she was part of his life for so long and she always will be. And he wants the best for her yeah. and can see that there is something very wrong. Something here. off. Yeah. I, yeah. I love when he free, he's like, where's Troy? It's like, what's in the box? Where's Troy? Why is everybody yeah. being so fucking polite? Like, and he just, and you can see he, everybody in the room is thinking he's breaking, he's breaking. There's something wrong with him. I felt. David, it was a great, it was a great was moment. So gaslighted by david and eden and the reality was david was gaslighting him when he was saying to him everything's fine everything's okay and then he's saying like troy i didn't see troy he did he really hadn't seen troy like yeah. he wasn't so there's such a mix of like and it's really my a mind fuck for will because mm-hmm. some of what they're saying is true and some of what they're saying isn't true and he really is reading the room correctly he's not crazy like there's real shit going on but yeah. when it finally does happen it's amazing to watch how unprepared everyone else is. Well, that. and I think one of the reasons why I really enjoy that that moment too of of Will losing it is because he is going crazy too. This is the first time he's been back in this house that we're aware of at least, you know, since his son died, since his family fell apart. I mean, they may have been there for a while after, but he didn't want to come here and it's going to bring up stuff. And yeah, he is losing it. And I think he recognizes that too, that there is stuff going on inside my head that is not right. But at the same time, I'm not wrong about the fact that you guys are nuts. And there's some real shit going down. I also really like the part where he's watching Claire leave and David comes over and he's like, he accuses him of being rude. Because he's gaslighting him. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's watching this guy. He's like, he's, you know, and now I feel like you're treating my friend like he can't be trusted. I would have turned to him and been like, oh, I'm sorry. You mean the man I've never met before in my life who just told us that he murdered his wife? (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's because I don't trust him. And I am going to continue watching this interaction right now. Bye-bye. And I still don't 100% understand David either. He's kind of a mystery to me. So when when it really hits the fan, when Will knocks the wine out of everyone's hand and is saying, don't drink it, and then crazy Sadie runs after him and she's like, you're ruined it! And then then David shows up with a gun, shoots somebody. I guess he shoots Troy? No, it was... um, Miguel. Miguel, yeah. Okay, he shoots Miguel who's, who's trying to help uh what's her face who yeah. drank the wine and then and then he kind of shoots him and then he has this reaction like oh like like the old lady drops the stone in the water at the end of titanic like oh and it's like this shock and he can't believe he did it but 
Yeah. What? And then Pruitt comes and it's and just like, okay, gun let, me, down. let me yeah. take care of this. I'll, I'll finish it. Yeah. I don't understand why. I'm still trying to figure out if Pruitt was there to make sure they did it. That was my, I think that's the biggest unanswered question for me is what is this cult actually about? What were they trying to achieve? And the reason why I'm so curious about it is because it obviously pulled people who were in pain and had experienced mm-hmm. some sort of loss or grief. And what's interesting, I think, about David's character is we don't really know who he lost or how it, it happened. It was, it was his happened. wife. I mean, they talk about him and his wife. I think it was his wife. I, I heard him say something about his wife, yeah. but he said something like, you know, what happened with your wife. So I still didn't know for sure if that was who he lost. Or, But either way, you don't know what exactly his history is. You just know that they met in a grief support group mm-hmm. and, you know, they've and been they turned into this together. Yeah. Um, so I, I definitely found that interesting or uh, I wanted to know more about that. But I guess I I just I wanted to know what this crazy doctor guy who incidentally looked a lot like Stephen Covey. Oh, he looks saying to me. He, he looked, looked like... like him. And then I know the actor <laughs> like I recognize him. But the way that they made that video, too, I was very it had a very Covey feel. It, did, it was it like. Did. A little bit 90s, kind of like dated, and like the little music playing over the background and the really slow talk. Because I didn't think about that until you said it. You're exactly on the money with that. He also kind of reminded me, because when it started, when Colt started, I had just seen this clip recently of Creed Bratton from The Office talking about how he's been in a few cults. Uh, There's more money being the leader, but you have more fun if you're just a member. You're just strong for the ride. Uh, so that, so he was, I was kind of getting Creed vibes can, off of him. I can see that. But like, I, and then they show this video of a woman dying and I actually found that really interesting because I started thinking like, had I seen this video at a dinner party, what my reaction would be? And I think I would be kind of like, uh, was it Miguel or I, one of them said, um, like they were open to it. You know, they were like, yeah, I get it. It's this kind of beautiful transition. Mm-hmm. And they were a little bit more open. And I feel like I would have been too. But that <laughs> might be that might be the uh, the milk speaking. Like, oh, oh, someone died. Show me more. Yeah, you fucking <laughs> freak. So did you want to know but how I exactly their know. son died? Because. No, I assumed he got hit over the head with a baseball bat by yeah, a friend. Uh-huh. Like, There's I a lot of danger. Up. It's very dangerous. But keep going. Yeah. I, I wanted to know. So you show me this video of a woman dying and she's letting go so that she can and and then she can it's a beautiful thing because she can go back and be with her family you know like i get that that was she's right breathe her in yeah 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 sure so that's kind of that initial message but now here we are on a night where you are murdering your friends and family so that you can go how i don't understand how and granted i'm not part of this cult so that's probably why i don't understand but what i really wanted to know was how what is this message and how did it even get spread in this way like they talked a little bit about the invitation they talked a little bit about you know oh yeah there there are so many people doing this and it's all about love and this and that but they didn't really which is another thing that really bothered me but sidebar they never really got to what this is about in a way that would make me be able to tie back together how that like what's going on here you know what I mean? Like there are bits and pieces of it so that you can see that crazy's happening and you know that death is involved mm-hmm. and you know that there's an element of um, putting someone out of their misery, so to speak. Like I get that, but what's the actual fucking plan here? Like really, we're going to 
kill everybody and then I'm going to be able to go to my happy place. I don't understand. Just fucking kill yourself. Also, uh, Eden, maybe if you're going to shoot yourself, do it in the fucking head. I know. I putting that out there. It's I think it's interesting that she shot herself basically in her womb, though. I feel like that's that's pain, that pain. Yeah. I, it was, it, to me, it was emblematic of her loss of her son and I don't know all of that. But I but the love thing. Sorry, I just wanted to get it out oh before God. I completely forget about yeah. it, because that was, you know, how I said that you should feel safe with your family. And that was why it made me so uncomfortable. It was it's because of the love. It, it's the love. The fact that they are over and over and over and over again talking about being free and open and loving and crazy motherfucker is like i just love all you guys even though i've never met <laughs> she's drunk <And> yeah <laughs> i'm not wearing any underwear and you can fuck me if you want like she's talking about love everybody's talking about love and then you fucking kill the people you love who you a hundred percent know are not in on this yeah that's that's the other thing like i i would have accepted it more or found it less uncomfortable had they brainwashed them into committing suicide you know what I mean like had they somehow convinced them to do it to themselves but they're not in on this at all you're murdering them you are I I guess when you see that last video of the crazy cult leader who and and I think it speaks volumes like how big the cult actually is that he's not actually there at the party so he's got all these other people out there and I still Pruitt is one of the more interesting characters to me because again I think he might be the finisher. Like, he's supposed to be there to, to make sure everybody gets the job done. So it certainly wonder- seems that way, considering, it, like, how he took the gun and just kind mm-hmm. of basically said, essentially, yeah, let me take let care me of do it. this. But I wonder if um, it has to do with, uh, like, it has to be that night. So there's some urgency in it being that night, which explains why David and Eden were okay with grabbing weapons and finishing people off. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it was their party. They were coming together. So maybe I think because when we see that woman dying in the video, she's surrounded by her loved ones. And I get the feeling that it's that's what it's about. It's you go and you take the people you love with you. And it's it just odd that it's it's Eden's friends. It's nobody that David cares about is there. It's Eden and Will's friends. So maybe Eden feels like she can't move into this next plane of existence, whatever it is, without Will so that they can be together again in some way and maybe that's why it had to be that way and all of those people were there the day the boy died apparently like you see the flashback so maybe it's something like about that so, how they're connected and that pain will's girlfriend wasn't i guess <sighs> or kira imagine, but and i fucking love kira you know what i felt her reactions to everything that happened was so realistic when she it. when he started losing his shit and was asking like where's Troy? where's Troy? where's Troy? i and she just got up and she's like okay we're, we're leaving up. now. We're Bye. going. I kind of, I kind of started yelling at the TV, like, "No, listen to her. Listen to her. Go, leave, and then, get the fuck and, out now." And then when it gets really nasty, she's, I, she's, she freaks out a little bit. He grabs her by the face. He says, "We're gonna survive. They're just people. We're gonna get out of this." And then, you know, she has a little bit another freak out moment because they can't get out. She's like, "What do we do? What do we do?" But when she needs to, when worse comes to worse, she picks up that fucking poker and she hits Pruda. Like she takes care of business. So she keeps hitting him too, which I love because I feel like yeah. there is this ongoing trope in movies of. Mm-hmm. Uh, this weak woman who just cries and she hits the villain once and thinks to her stupid self, oh, that must be it. That's good. I'm just going to go in the corner and cry. And he comes Mm -hmm. back and kills her. Like, that's not, no, she's trying to survive. And she 
she fucks him up. And him up. in the way that I think anybody in that position who is trying to survive would, would do. Pop, would behave, yeah. yeah. And, th- and then she does cry. Like, at the end, when after they take Eden outside, she's crying. Like, in... Okay. Well, she um, should be. I'm not saying she shouldn't cry. She yeah. should be emotional. I She's would be. Emotional. Yeah. And so, but I, I like the kind of foil of Eden and David and Kira and Will. So Eden and David throughout the evening, they're just, they love each other so much and they're caring and they're talking and it's all about their relationship and how much love and all this bullshit. And Will and Kira, I mean, what, what's her face? Sadie even says like, I can see that you guys are on the outs, but they're just not that kind of couple. That's it. Yeah. But they, have, they are connected. They really care about each other. They get out of that place alive together. Um, I do I, love the moment though, where she, they're talking about his pain and, and she says, She's telling him, you know, like, I, it's okay to let go, though. Kira was saying this. Like, it's, yeah. it's okay to let go. You're not – it doesn't mean that you didn't love him if right. you let go of the pain. And he said something to her. I, I, it was something like, you you can't help me. Like, I, I like you. I, I love you. I don't remember if he said I love you. He but says he, said, he loves her. Yeah. Yeah, so I love you, but you can't fix me or you can't help me. And I had a moment in my head where I was thinking if I were her, I would just look at and be like then what are we doing here like if we can't (laughs) but really I mean if we can't grow together and help one another what what are we even doing but she so and I think that was a a really nice and realistic sort of Mm -hmm. portrayal of of somebody being so lost in this grief state um and then I am curious what happens after this, you know, did he kind of get his shit together now that he's made it through all of this or, or maybe they never made it through. I don't know what happened up in those hills. I think that they are true. The look of horror on their faces at the end, because he says the very last lines of the movie, he's looking out at those lanterns and he says, oh my God. And then he says, Kira, and they take hands and yeah, who knows? Maybe they don't make it out alive. Um, But they're, it would be cool to see a sequel to this, I guess. <laughs> Except sequels are probably, they're always crap. So. I know they are. Um, but I i feel like outwardly, if you were looking at people, it, it's kind of like how you look at like social media or, you know, TV and movies. Outwardly, couples on social media might seem like they're, everything's perfect and their life is wonderful and they love each other so much. And then you see a couple, and, and so you're seeing Eden and David and you might feel bad about that you might feel bad about your own relationship if you see that and then you see will and kira and they seem like i mean sadie didn't read it wrong they seem like they they aren't cuddly i mean when he got upset after they played the video he walked away and his friend went after and kira Mm -hmm. stayed you may read that as like they don't care about each other but i think it's just they just have a normal relationship like well and i think that is something that it's it's subtle of course because it's not what the whole movie is about is every single individual's relationships but they play into it still yeah. all of these different kinds of relationships you know Eden and David batshit crazy mm-hmm. um fallen into this cult brainwash whatever like they're kind of the I don't want to say fun because it's not fun but you know what I mean kind of the like, like the fun what's going watch. on yeah, yeah the what's going on with these people Will and Kira yeah I think she said she called them distant mm-hmm. at one point that's saying that they were distant but I didn't get that feel at all I thought they were perfectly normal and yeah. just sort of yeah, not... we can do our own thing. And then you also have, I can't remember her name, who was waiting for Toy the whole time. I can't remember her poor name either. And she's one of the yeah. first ones to go. I know. And she's great, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, what I really want is some of your cocaine. <laughs> but she just well, has I think, to still have her own. And, then, and then is it not suspicious? There's so many suspicious things. But is it not suspicious that, because Ben points it out, he's like, 
you're in rehab and you have that yeah, shit yeah. in your house? Exactly. He's like, you're like the worst recovering addict ever. Gina. Her name is Gina. Gina. Okay, so Gina and Choi, like, she calls him her, like, idiot boyfriend or asshole boyfriend or whatever. He's late for everything. He never shows up. But once he shows up, obviously she's been worried this whole time. You're they, right, you know, they're really close. and Like, they can still, you can still have that kind of relationship. And then you have Claire, who seems to be single. Maybe she's seeing somebody who she's just not bringing into this group, mm-hmm. you know. But there's not, like, a lovey-dovey relationship portrayed with her. Ben, his name's Ben, right? Love Ben. <laughs> yeah, talking about, he's like... His wife's at home, and I think we Amanda's might... Amanda's at home with the kids. <laughs> yeah, I think we might hate each other. And I love Will's reaction of just, well, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> but the sex is great. We're really pissed off. Like, I don't know how it's going to end, you know, what's going to happen. The people felt real. The relationships yeah. felt real. I mean, like, who hasn't... You all, Everybody has those friends where you're apart, and you come back together, and it's like, no time has passed. And that's how it feels with these people. It feels like they're back together, and it's no time has passed. And that's why it was that's why it was so unsettling for me, is I mm-hmm. bought that they were really close friends, that they were family, and you should feel safe with your friends and your family. You should, you know, get excited about a dinner party with people you haven't seen in years, whom you love, whom you can just fall back into to friendship with. And they were obviously at times at least having fun and, you know, you're, you're relaxing and enjoying and, and then being slaughtered. Yeah. I don't, I don't like that, Leah. (laughs) It makes me really nervous. The mood of this movie, the music, the, like the colors, it's like these deep browns and reds and oranges, kind of like desert sun, desert sky, it. It, I liked it a lot. I liked the way that it felt. It reminded me a lot of kind of Get Out, um, that same kind of creepiness yeah. thing happening. Um, I was trying to think. There was another movie it kind of reminded me of. Um, but it's You're Next. You're Next. Of- it reminds me of You're Next. Just because of the whole, like, people coming to a house together, spending time together. It's awkward, and then shit, get, shit gets real. I think The Strangers... Or is it just Strangers? It's the Strangers. I think it's the, stra- the Strangers with Liv Tyler. Yeah, yeah. I I um, won't watch that movie. I fucking hated it. I I felt the same way about this as I kind of did about that. Um, except that one was scarier. Like they had mm-hmm. more. They were being hunted for longer, yeah. you know. Um, but I had the same kind of just discomfort and walking away from it, just feeling awkward and uncomfortable and dirty. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that movie many times <laughs> because it's because uh, there's something wrong with me. I don't like that movie at all. I hate it. I I mean, the reason why I like it is because of how, how uncomfortable it made me. I, I think some of some of the movies that have stuck with me the longest, um, like uh, Marcy, May, Marlene, or however many Mary, all the names, Marlene, yes. <laughs> That that movie a hundred percent sticks with me, and it's Martha it's, Mar- Martha, Martha Marcy Mar- Martha Marcy May Marlene. Marlene. Go on. Yes. So, cult personality as well. So you still have a lot of the same kinds of or some of the same kinds of elements you have in here of who is the crazy one and what's really happening here. You know, and it is is she losing her mind and that's the path that we're being taken down, or is there a real true danger at play? And the way that movie ends you don't know. Mm-hmm. And that feeling of being so lost in the sa- in this kind of building insanity, um, I don't want to ex- 
experience that in real life, but being made to experience it for a fraction of time. You like it. In in like a movie or a book or yeah, it's I, I think it's I really appreciate it. It feels almost genius to me to mm-hmm. to stick out like that in a sea of typical romantic comedies and you know, boring action and all of that kind of stuff to have something that hits me in the guts. Um, I can really appreciate. Yeah. This one definitely hit me in the guts. I guess for me though, it was more about them, the relationships. I, that this time around the relationship between Will and Eden really got me and, and Will versus, I can't say it enough. Will versus David, I thought was really great. The mood was good. Like I said, I liked the way that it was, like the colors um and just the mood of relaxation you know what I mean like it was nice I would like to be at a dinner party there like Mm -hmm. it it felt calming and soothing all of these friends sitting around just comfortably laughing drinking wine in this yeah yeah, with that same kind of lighting it yeah it 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 made it made me feel aside from the fact that I knew something really funky was going on uh relaxed yeah I um I also noticed a few things that reminded me a lot of The Shining. Um, there's a lot of reflective surfaces in this, um, and he's there's a moment where he's in a room and David shows up, like Will's in a room and David shows up, and you can see Will's reflection in this kind of vanity mirror on a dresser, and that reminded me a lot of the moment with um, Jack Nicholson's character in The Shining in the bed when um, Shelley Duvall's character brings him breakfast. Um, and a lot of like, uh, how about the windows? I feel like that was one of the biggest things. The fact that there are so many places where you can see outside, but you can't mm-hmm. get outside. Can't get yeah. yeah. And there, the whole thing of, cause, cause what is the shining about? It's about, part of it is about a, a isolation, man's dis- isolation, descent into madness. And so you're looking at this guy who's going back and there's a lot of stuff that happens in that hotel, like the haunts showing up, the weird, uh, blowjob with the bear mask. It is a bear, right? It looks like a bear. Um, it was. It was either a bear or a dog, but right. So a furry. But so, and Will is having that same experience. He's in this house. He's going into these different rooms. He's having these memories that are haunting him of his son. It just kind of reminded me of all that. And then when I started to see reflections and things, like there's a moment where Will's in the bathroom. He's been splashing his face with water. I think it might be after the whole Troy thing because he breaks down. He starts to cry yeah. when when Troy does show up. And then he goes into the bathroom and you see like his reflection for miles in the mirror and it was just really intense. So I thought that I really appreciated and liked there's some, the way that it feels. I mean, when we think about the cult, there's definitely some kind of Manson esque things going on. They're in the Hollywood Hills, um, the house that they're at. At one point there's a knock at the door and David answers and he goes, yeah, it's just some people looking, looking for a party on foot. Crazy bitch. 100% 100% gave me Manson vibes. Yeah. She's just walking around without any panties on until people start showing up. And then she just yeah. throws on a little party dress and starts walking around going, oh, I just love you. Oh. <laughs> like a, you know, crazy fucking hippie. Like a crazy cult girl. And and at one point, somebody even does say something about it. Feels a little Manson-y with the whole cult thing. And somebody else, is just, I think it was Tommy's like, it's L.A. We're just, it's just L.A. people. Just ignore <laughs> them. <laughs> it's just L.A. Um, just kind of like brushes it aside. But I thought that that was really cool. Um. Because it was a little bit of that, and I think, and I read in the, tri- there wasn't a ton of trivia on IMDb, but um, the uh, the Manson kind of references, and then also a little bit the, what's the one where they all drank the Kool-Aid? Um, 
Jim Jim Jones? Yes. Yeah. Um, Somewhere was it South or Central America? Yeah, something something town I think was the uh, name of the Jonestown. Yeah. Yeah, Jonestown. Um, Which that... I believe for a while, um, Joaquin Phoenix, his family was part of that cult. I think for oh. a while. Obviously with, not up until that point. With but. names like Joaquin and River and Leaf and Rainbow, you know, yeah, right. what do you expect? Um, so, yeah, I thought that was really great. That They kind of mixed it all together. And, you know, watching it again, I remember I, there's so much buildup to that last when things get, start to get violent. Because the last maybe only 15 or 20 minutes is when shit gets violent. So there's so many moments where you think maybe nothing bad's going to happen. Maybe it's just a psychological thing. Maybe it's just a mind fuck. Yeah. Uh, or at least you don't know what bad thing is going to happen. So yeah. I was I was definitely thinking, just because it's a movie, yeah. I was definitely thinking that something bad is going to happen all along. And I was thinking it was going to end with the deaths of some people, you know. But I didn't, I was still really taken aback with that first gunshot. Like, yeah. okay, we're handing out the wine. Maybe it's not poisoned because here he is losing his shit again. And maybe they're just, maybe the bad that's happening is they're out to make him lose his mind Mm -hmm. i don't know that it's necessarily going to end with murder Um, but even when gina's obviously been poisoned there's still a moment of okay well he kept everybody else from getting poisoned and poisoning people is a pretty um hands-off way of killing them so are the if that was their plan you know what are they going to do now? Are they just going to be like, uh-oh, you found me out, and then everybody leaves and it'll be fine? I did not expect David to a, show a shooting rampage yeah. after yeah. that, yeah. So if you were going to kill a group of people, don't you feel like poisoning the poisoning the food is the way to go at the dinner table? Because that is the least, it, you're, like you said, it's the least hands-on Right. I I mean, again, wine over food for me, because I would want to partake of the food, too. It all looked really good. Um, and I don't really drink wine, so it makes perfect sense for me to, to poison the wine to kill everyone. But I do think you have to you have to be careful. And we've seen this over and over again <laughs> with movies movies in the past you know you do have to be careful about where the poison is placed and making sure that the right people get it uh and making sure that they ingest enough yep so so it's a dangerous game that you right. play like what is it what is it he says in the princess bride something about don't go head to head with a sicilian when death is on the line and then he's like anyway inconceivable so i did have i did have some questions about so so just some random things like so will is outside and that's when he gets the message that was on from troy finally shows up in his phone why is he, troy calling him or did troy call everybody it just seemed well, odd no, that he, he I, I mean from the message anyway he was just saying you know i was supposed to pick something up and i didn't because i'm early can you grab something so i just figured he called whichever friend was in his phone book first who he knew was coming that night all right that kind of stuck out to me who has a keyed lock on the inside of their door that they would lock? Like, it just seemed strange to me. Yes, I know you can do that, but you can't unlock it. Uh, what like, do you mean? Like, I mean, I guess I a have... Lot the- of, a lot of deadbolts are like that. That you just have the key inside, and that way you can remove the key if you want to. Oh, um, okay. I just had never seen that before. Yeah. Oh, that was weird. Um, 
So how what's your feeling on cults in general? Um it's hard it's hard for me because I that <laughs> sounded really weird. <laughs> well, you know, I'm okay with them. No, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm fascinated by them, um, because I do, I do think that there is something to be said for. And you kind of get that in the beginning of this movie, when, particularly when Eden's talking to Will and she's saying, you know, I feel good. Like I, yeah. and who knows if that was true? Obviously, things took a crazy turn. Maybe she just felt good because she knew she was going to die at the end of the night. Yeah. But, but you do get that from people who are in quote unquote cults too. Um, that if 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 they are happy, that's a good thing, right? But like I said already, happy people make me really nervous. Yeah. Like I don't quite get it. So there's there's this little kind of niggling thing in my mind that is telling me that cults in a sense that uh, people frame cults as a bad thing because they're afraid to be happy. And, I, and I'm not talking obviously about, you know, Jonestown or something that actually ends with murder, suicide or anything mm-hmm. like that. But some of the other cults out there, which we may not even know about because they're just sort of small religious organizations or small groups of people that, um, the people around them call them cults, that kind of thing. I I do think that there's a sort of bitter resentment that a lot of people, myself included, have for people who are able to find happiness mm-hmm. and meaning in something that I can't see. You know, it's not tangible to me. Um, so it does always make me wonder when you hear people talking about cults or cult mentality, how much of that is truly a problem and how much of it is just like-minded people trying to find happiness. And then there's the other side of it that I find fascinating, which is kind of the the psychoanalytical side of, you know, who it is who gets sucked into this most often and why and how. Um, the the uh, building blocks of a cult, um, I think, are fascinating. You know, having... A person who is so inevitably enigmatic and convincing and having some sort of of trope to operate off of, you know, whether that be love, I think is one of the most typical love, happiness, acceptance, you know, having those same kinds of things, which are, again, wonderful things that we all crave and should have in our lives, but being able to take that and transform it into something ugly and terrible and misleading. Um, it's awful, but I do find it quite fascinating. Do you think most cult leaders are high on their own supply and that yeah. they really do buy into what they're preaching? I think that the, so to speak, successful ones that we've seen, which inevitably these successful ones would be like if we've seen them and we know about them they probably they were a tragedy yeah um and i think that you can see that those that end in tragedy more often than not uh not to be punny about it but i think they drank their own kool-aid mm-hmm. so yeah like uh, uh david david koresh you know i think when he first started out he did believe what he was preaching to mm-hmm. an extent and then he saw that he could get these like-minded people together who it's really easy when you get people together 
who feel, and I don't just mean think the same way, but feel the same way. And you start discussing things and finding out that you're, you know, so similar in these ways. And it gets really easy to fall into this, this isolated world of this is how the real world is. Like you agree that this is, this is how we as human beings are built or how we should operate or how we should feel. Um, you know, you agree on whatever sort of maybe religious uh, things that we're discussing. You know, we, we all think the same way. And especially once you get isolated like that, it becomes truth. So I, I think it's really easy for oh, yeah, anyone. Oh, of each other. Right. And then to be the leader of that, you know, not only are you now thinking that, yes, this is the truth. You're thinking, yes. I created the truth and that means that I can create more truth. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't think that most cult leaders are necessarily thinking I'm going to go in and control people. I don't think that's the thought process. I think it's looking for, looking for connection, finding like-minded individuals and then realizing that we can create our own truths Mm -hmm. And I can create it and you will listen and you will follow and you will, you you will believe. And what, I mean, that is power. I mean, (laughs) did, did, did Koresh not believe he was the second coming? Like he thought that he was. Well, and it's interesting. Like he, he didn't initially when everything first started, he kind of built up into that. And that's why I'm saying, I, I don't know that it was necessarily a guise of, um, at some point he realized, hey, hey, all these people seem to think I'm great. I bet I could just tell them I'm the second coming and they'd buy it. I don't think yeah. it's that at all. I think it's these people are believing the things I'm saying. I must be saying things that are right and accurate and correct. Why would I be saying so much stuff that's so wonderfully insightful and amazing and true unless it was being given to me by someone? And why would it be given to me unless I am actually the second coming? So that must be it. And there's yeah. nobody there to argue with you. So, yeah, it's really easy to fall into I I am him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then so, and I wonder, That's I think that's one of the curiosities, too, is I do wonder if it ever gets to the point where you realize things are crazy and then you just start because I feel like you do. I I wonder if that's part of why we see murder suicides and things is that you get to a point where there's no I can't go any further with this. OK. Um, and I'm going to get found out. And even I'm starting to think this shit's crazy and I don't see a way out. And the only way out can be to end it for everyone. Man, I don't think that's real. I, I mean, maybe some of them think that, but. That seems pretty extreme. I mean, if if if, you, if if everything's going well, then I would think that, I mean, like, Koresh had this giant fucking compound of people before people showed up to try to break it up. Like, it's... Yeah, but you can't... So this giant fucking compound of people was armed to the hilt. He That's was telling true. them he every was day that war is coming. And it wasn't yeah. just... He got all of that from different uh, sects, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Like, he started out in, in... He studied with people in Australia. So, I mean, there are places all over the world that were preaching the same kind of thing. And mm-hmm. we see it now, too. You know, people are preaching the end times. Um, he just took it to a next level. And then people found out about them being armed and then came in and you just... Yeah. You push those buttons. Like, yeah. you come in and say, I'm going to take your guns away and i'm thinking i need these guns to survive obviously this is the war so cult leaders hot or not uh well no unless you're in the cult if you're in the cult i think you tend to think it 
I think that some of them can be like Taylor Kitsch is in Waco that's making a resurgence on Netflix. He's hot. Taylor Maybe Kitsch is hot. hot. He, he, did you, have I'm you just, seen that? Have you seen no, that? No, no, but it's I've heard really good things. Good. I've yeah, heard good things. I, I was excited I'm, when I saw it was on Netflix. I watched it when it, I want to say it was like AMC or something, maybe. I don't know. It was some cable network that put it out. And I got really excited about it when it first came out. And uh, yeah, it's it's good. It's depressing, too. But you should watch it. I guess what I'm, I guess what I'm saying is they make it seem, I mean, I haven't seen it, obviously, but he David Koresh was David Koresh was a somewhat attractive man. And I think that you do see that. Like I said, you have to have some sort of enigmatic personality. You have to have some kind of draw, um, whether it's purely personality, whether it's purely an attractive personality, or maybe you got a pretty face, too. But I think that is fairly common with anyone who leads people in that way. Uh, whether you're a cult leader or a successful businessman or an actor, you know. I feel like Jesus was probably really hot. You know he was he, cut. He had the abs. He had right. the abs. So I feel like he must have been a good-looking guy. Um, and I'm not saying he was in a cult or that he had a cult. But, it, well, you know, that's part of my thought about, you know, that we, we put this, we spin this incredibly negative connotation on cults all the time. But in reality, yes, when Christianity began, it was a cult. And it makes you wonder if it's the same way I feel about schizophrenia. (laughs) (laughs) Did you just compare Christianity, Christianity, which is like Christianity, Christianity Christianity and schizophrenia? No, I was comparing uh, cultism and schizophrenia. I see. So if you look at statistics, you'll find that schizophrenic people who are schizophrenic in the U.S. in particular, but in the U.S. and in Europe as well, tend to have very negative experiences. They tend to have um, terrifying hallucinations and delusions where they're... Oh, yes. You've talked about this before. Yeah, where they're being hunted. But in other countries, it's not like that. Exactly. In other countries where they actually accept this as not just crazy and weird and nuts but as just kind of how this person is or in cultures where they accept it even as um having like yes having a gift or having another sense these people are often happy they're still delusional in the same way that we would describe delusional hallucinations you know they're still experiencing the same mental illness but because they're not seen as being mentally ill they're happy people. And mm-hmm. I do wonder at times if having that stigma placed on cults and having everybody say, it's not right, it's not normal, you know, mm-hmm. you shouldn't, it's it's crazy, it's crazy, it's crazy, is one of the things that turns it and makes it bad. Whereas in some of these places, I imagine, even if they are crazy, because we all know, too, that people who fall into cults typically have certain predispositions. Um, maybe they had attachment disorders that, you know, kept them from uh, feeling the amount of love that they needed in their lives. And maybe they just, they were on the outsides and they need somebody who's willing to accept them for who they are. I mean, there are different little quirks about people that would draw them into a cult. But is it always that people like that are being preyed upon? Or are they maybe just 
being shown how to be happy and really truly being accepted and it would be a good thing and maybe if we treat some of these places some of them again not places that are actually violent and branding women and using them Mm -hmm. as sex slaves or anything jesus christ i forgot about that that shit was crazy i know but you know as long as not something like that maybe if we treat them as an actual religion or faith or society or gathering um, or pseudo utopian society. I don't know. Maybe, maybe things would be better for all of us too if we weren't just branding happy people as crazy people. And to be fair, I brand happy people as crazy people. I don't know how you can be happy and not be nuts. Um, but but I don't it's feel funny like it should be that way. <laughs> I would have paid you more as a happy people or stupid people person, but you know. Um, I think it's sort of, in my mind, it's an ignorance is bliss. And ignorance isn't necessarily stupid. It could be. But it could also just be allowing yourself to be blind to things. But I'm also, I 100% fit into, you know, coming back to to the invitation, I 100% fit into kind of Will's thought process of letting go is a betrayal. Yeah. That's what it feels like to me. And I know that that's not true. I know it. But it feels like if I let go of a bad of, of whatever it is, if you let go of someone you love who has died, then you are betraying them and, um, you know, you should be holding on to them and mourning them at all times. Um, or if it's something that happened, maybe it's something bad that you did or something bad that someone else did. It feels like I believe in forgiveness, even forgiveness of yourself, mm-hmm. but it feels like if you let it go, then it's pretending it never happened and that is not okay yeah and that's like that's how will felt right he felt like he was he said eden like how can you how can you forget this how can you and even when they were i think he said that in the kitchen i think he He said something he told her that but i mean like you're pretending like he never existed yeah which is bullshit when you think about it when you stop and think about it you can get over a loss or maybe you'll never maybe get over isn't the right word you may never get over it it might tear a piece of your soul out and you will never be complete but you can move on and still live a life and still find happiness while still remembering the person you lost or the horrible thing that happened right but that feeling that he has of if you do that it makes him disappear yeah. I, I feel that way, too. Well, that's because she was rejecting the pain. I mean, she basically said, I don't want to feel this pain anymore. But all they had, I think, for Will, all he had around his son was pain. Although I will, when he was in his bedroom, or what used to be his bedroom, and he was remembering, like, he was kind of laying in the bed and looking at his son, I think there was some acceptance in that, in that it wasn't necessarily pain. It, it was a memory that was painful, but also... A nice memory. Useful, yeah. So, I, you know, I think... You yeah. got some of that, too. That was one of the things I loved about Wind River, um, or one of the moments I loved in Wind River, when they were talking about, he said he went to, like, a grief uh, yeah. conference and everything, and some that somebody there, but that somebody there had told him something to the effect of, you know, you need to let the, feel the pain yeah, and let it build up inside you, but then you got to let go of the pain and just remember your daughter and just remember who she was and remember the good times and remember the love and just feel the love and not the pain. I mean, that's the healthy way. And everybody agrees. Everybody agrees differently and it's a process and it's hard. And I, 
that's part of why I like Logan Marshall Green. I don't think I've ever seen him happy ever. He's always in a role where he's playing somebody <laughs> just really kind of driven or like even in Prometheus, he was really driven and shit got weird after he, you know, ingested whatever that was he ingested that David gave him in that movie, the David robot, um, the Michael mm-hmm. Fassbender robot. Also hot. Um, so yeah, anyway. I know you got to think. You got to think yeah. for Michael Fassbender. Yeah, I got I had Yeah. Um, but it's. Yeah, I think I think he was great. I thought his performance in this was great. I thought. Trace, or Tammy Blanchard was great. I thought um, Michelle Heisman, Husman, I don't know what the fuck. However you say his name, he's hot. That's I would great. like to fuck him. Um, yeah, they were really great. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm glad we watched it. I, I would recommend it to people. It's one of those movies that I kind of forget about, mm-hmm. but it was, it's intense. Like, it's a good show. Yeah, I think it's funny you keep saying show because it reminds me of like an 80 year old woman. Oh yeah, it's a great it's a show. Good show. It's a great show. Um, so yeah, well I'm glad you liked it. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about? No, I guess I. Um, no, I, I I think it just like I said, it made me uncomfortable. I'm still worried about Claire. Um, I'm very very glad they didn't put the poison in the cake because I would have eaten the cake 100. Um, <laughs> percent yeah no i think I, th- I feel like we probably covered it yeah yeah and i will end up watching it again to get that really uncomfortable feeling <laughs> even though i hate yeah. it but i yearn for it oh, so it didn't, it didn't make it's interesting that it made you so uncomfortable because that's not how i felt the first time watching it and this time i was mostly just feeling like that intensity of relationship between eden and will and then the will versus david thing but i wasn't ever it's it was the that, it was the love and the feeling of safety again that's really what it is I feel like when you are surrounded by people who love you and people whom you love you should be safe and you could tell throughout this entire movie I think to to your point about the relationships they did a great job of building the relationship so that you knew that they all loved each other dearly yeah and Yet the whole time, even when you're not totally sure what's going to happen, you know, long before the murder breaks out, the whole time, you know, something is wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's what made me really uncomfortable is yeah. just that feeling of I shouldn't want to escape because I should be safe, but mm-hmm. I want to escape because it doesn't feel right. All right. Well, thanks for watching. Yeah. I'm trying. I feel like there. I, I Yeah, there's nothing else I want to say about it. It's uh it's a good movie. Yeah. Makes you think. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you very much and we'll see y'all next time. Bye-bye. Bye. The movie virgins. What's up, fuckers? This is Leah. I've had a glass and a half of wine. I'm feeling very good. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Michelle Hoisman or whatever the fuck your name is. If you're listening, I'm here. I'm in Missouri. Come find me, please. I need you. Uh, Yeah, so next week, we've got the Red Sea Diving Resort because Lindsay likes really depressing movies. And actually, this one's kind of weird. It's like a mix of, like, super depressing shit and then, like, Captain America coming in and saving the day. So, weird. Whatever. Uh, Wherever you're listening, subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. If you would, please. We love you. Even if you don't listen on Apple Podcasts, if you could just... Just get an iPhone. Just get, find an iPhone. Find an iPhone. (laughs) Click on the podcast app and uh, go to Movie Virgins. 
five stars and just write, they're fucking the best. I, I love them. Yes. Uh, they sucked my dick. They were so amazing. God. Just, yes. That's, that would be great if you could do that. Um, so, yeah. Uh, hope you're having a good one. And uh, we'll see you next time. One last thing, motherfuckers. The music in this episode was written and performed by my queen, Melissa Powers. Virgin.